Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Yeah, good morning. What is up? Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. America is pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. I love it. I'm, there's, not a, there's not another country in the world I'd rather be a part of than this one right here. So thankful for that. I uh, just want to give a huge shout out to our pastors, Pastor Jamie and Pastor Sandra Goldenberg. Come on, let's just give a round of applause for our pastors. Give them some love. Give them some love. They're having a much deserved break and, you know, they got me to come talk to you guys today. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And Christina, you did a great job plugging Serve Knock Saturday. It's coming this Saturday. You got to sign up for it. It's going to be an amazing, amazing opportunity for us to, get to just love on Knoxville and love on the area around us. So we got tons of opportunities. It's going to be fun for the, even for the kids. Like we're, it's a whole family serve opportunity. So check out those cards outside. Um, today I'm going to be talking out of Second Samuel six. It's part of the uh, the Old Testament uh, in in Scripture. You know, we've got the New Testament and the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is kind of like before Jesus was born. And the New Testament's about what happened after Jesus was born. How many of you are thankful that Jesus was born? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're talking out of 2 Samuel 6. It's the story about King David, who was the second king of unified Israel, kind of bringing this thing called the ark into Jerusalem. So we're in 2 Samuel 6. I'm reading out of the NIV. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles, Bible apps. I think we got it on the screen. So here we go. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, about 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. I don't even know what a sistrum is. Uh, anyway. well, when, when they came to the threshing floor of Nakan, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went up to bring the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Then wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering into the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. Let's pray. God, we just want your presence. We sang a beautiful song. Lord, we, just, we know your presence is already here. 
It's moving among us. Miracles can break out because you're right here, Lord. And we just ask that we know you're in the atmosphere, Lord. We ask that today, right now, you would come and be in our hearts. Help us to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so my title today, first of all, my name's Justin. I'm part of the team here. I don't know if you know me. I usually lead worship. How about for the worship team today? They did great today. So thankful for them. They killed it. It was awesome. Yeah, I usually do that, but hey, I'm talking to you today. It's pretty awesome. I'm having fun. I hope you're having fun. We're going to get there. The title is, <laughs> thanks. The title is, is called Where's Your Ark? Uh, so today we're talking about this thing called the Ark. It, it, it has a couple of names. It's in the scripture, it was called the Ark of the Lord. Uh, it, it's also can be called the Ark of the Covenant. Um, and uh, there was, what it was is it was essentially this case or a box or a chest that Moses was commanded to build back in the second book of the Bible in Exodus. He was commanded to build it. And it, it basically was, it represented God's presence. It says in the scripture we just read today that God was literally enthroned on the cherubim. Between, between the cherubim on this ark. So literally, at, at this time, this is the big difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, God was in this ark. That's where, that's where God's presence was invested. Now, because of what Jesus did, the temple veil was torn, and now God is enthroned, not between cherubim, but right here in our hearts. So that's the big difference. So we're talking about the ark, and what the ark represents is literally the presence of God. And uh, it held God's power, it was a symbol of his promise, and ultimately it represented God's presence. So I've got some neat facts about the ark's time in Israel. So this kind of, this, David was, was kind of king of Israel, is consolidating his reign, right? And so at one point, the ark had been captured by the arch enemies of Israel, the Philistines. I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Philistines, they're basically like the really bad guys in the Old Testament. They had, the Philistines had captured it, and then when they captured it, the Ark of God, they put it in, in the temple of their God, and, and at one point, the Ark had literally caused the statue to their God to literally fall down. And then plagues broke out in their cities because of the power of the Ark of God. And so they moved it from city to city, and then finally all these people died. They're like, whoa, we got to get rid of this thing. So they sent it back to Israel. And then when Uzzah, in the story we read today from 2 Samuel, Uzzah, when he reached out, he literally was struck dead when he touched the ark. And then earlier in, in the narrative before King Saul, when he was the king of Israel, he was the first king. When he was the king of Israel, he literally sought out the ark for his war effort. It was a weapon for him. He was going to defeat his enemies, vanquish his foes with the power of the ark. And then there was a period of time, which we read about, where the ark was just kind of sitting in this guy Abinadab's house before David went and got it. So we've got people dying from plagues. We got a guy struck dead. Someone was looking for a powerful weapon. And we've got a lost ark. Does it sound familiar? Come on, Indiana Jones, somebody. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Let's go. I love that movie so much. It's so awesome. I was going to bring a hat and a whip today, but I don't know. It was, it, it was a little cheesy. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, obviously, that's a silly comparison. Uh, actually, I think we got a picture. Can we put that picture up? Yeah. You guys can see Indy. He's kind of on the, the right side of the frame. But that's, that's a Hollywood depiction of the Ark of the Covenant. I promise you, it probably didn't look anything like that in reality. But you can see the poles sticking out of it. And we're going to be talking about that uh, later in, in the, uh, the talk today. That's good. Thanks so much, man. Um, so obviously, that's a silly comparison. The Bible doesn't actually say that the Ark was lost. 
But it kind of was. It wasn't really in the story for a while. It was just at this guy Abinadab's house. And you know, you guys remember the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indy, he's in this like room in Egypt and they've got like the map on the floor and he has to like put the thing and like the light has to shine through the thing to see where the ark is supposed to be. You guys remember that? Am I crazy? All right. Some of us approach the presence of God as though we have to wait for just the right moment to encounter him. The lights have to be just right. The music has to be just right. The sermon has to be just right. And if anything's off, we're like, ah, we missed it. Just wasn't good. Was God there? I don't know. Things don't have to be perfect to encounter God. Just want to let you know. Things don't have to be perfect. Even still, even still, I want to encourage some of you today. Even still, some of us feel as though we're unworthy to be in his presence. Here's the thing with that. Not a single one of us is worthy. Not one of us. Not me, not you, not you, not anybody, not you online. None of us are worthy of his presence. On our own, we deserve nothing but absolute separation from God. But that didn't stop God from sending Jesus down to literally bring all of humanity. That's his, that's his desire, to bring all of humanity back into full communion with God. And what that means is we're in the presence. That's what full communion is, togetherness. God wants you. And I just want to say, yeah, you're unworthy. But it doesn't matter because Jesus loves you. He desires a relationship with you just the way you are. The way you came in those doors today, the way you're sitting in your home, wherever you are, whenever you are watching this, God desires a relationship with you just the way you are. Things don't have to be perfect. Somebody say, I'm unworthy today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's jump back into the story. So we talked about the ark. It was a case with some poles sticking out of it, and it was really holy. God was enthroned. And we talked about what it represents, the presence of God. Now I want to break down, the re- there's a reason why we read all of that scripture. I want to break down all of the emotions, really, that David kind of experienced as he was going through this, this kind of episode in, in, the, in the Bible here. Number one, no pursuit, no presence. No pursuit, no presence. You see, David had to want it. He had to want it. He had to chase after it. He literally got 30,000 guys, an an invading force, to go to one guy's house. Think about that. He got a huge army. We've We've got supply lines. We've got generals. We've got all these people. I'm sure one of the generals is like, Uh, King David, my liege, I'm sure we probably don't need this many people to go get the ark. Certainly. You know, somebody probably said that. But David was like, no, no, no. we got to get all of them. All the able, young-bodied men to go get the ark. Because our God is going to come live with us in, in Jerusalem. He wanted it. Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, says, Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. You know, we want blessing, we want increase, we want favor, we want healing. But if you want all that stuff, first you have to seek the Lord. First you have to seek God. First, really, you have to want the Lord more than any of that. And then God will literally, that's his promise, seek first the kingdom of heaven, and then all these things will be provided to you. Come on, that's a promise. Let's stand on that promise. Uh, seek first the kingdom. I like to say, seek first his kingship, his lordship. The kingdom of heaven is not just some ethereal thing, although it kind of is, but it, the kingdom of heaven is actually, it starts right here. 
If, if the king is not the king of your heart, then he's not going to break out. If, if he's the king of your heart, then he'll become the king of your body. He'll become the king of your soul. His kingdom will literally break out into your friends, into your homes, and into those around you, into your schools. Let me talk to the parents real quick. You're worried about your kids going to school or whatever. We've got a month until school starts, which is bananas. But, like, you're worried about your kids going to school. and like, man, is, is, is God there? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you this. If God's not at your house, if God's not in your heart, he's certainly not going to be with them at school. The kingdom of God starts in our hearts. Number two, treat the holy wholesomely. The text says they put the ark on a new cart. Then they used oxen to pull the cart. But there were poles on the ark. You guys saw the picture. They had poles. That part is accurate. There were poles on the ark. It was meant to be carried by humans, not by animals, and certainly not on a cart. When bumps hit the cart, it toppled. It, it, the, the, it says the oxen stumbled and the cart toppled. And Uzzah went to go steady it. He was like, oh, no. We can't let, can't let the ark hit the ground. This is the ark that had literally, they took it around the walls of Jericho and then the walls came down. This is the ark that had performed all sorts of miraculous signs. God had done amazing things through this case with poles in it. Kind of crazy, right? God had done all these awesome things and Uzzah was like, oh no, I can't let it hit the ground. And then he died. I have a bad habit. Coffee. Any coffee drinkers in here? Yeah, my people. That's right, my people. I have to have two cups in the morning. Some of y'all, some of y'all are like full pot. I'm like, man, I drink a full pot in the morning. I'm like, my stomach, it just can't handle that. So I drink two cups in the morning, and then most of the time I go for a bonus round in the afternoon and get a cup. Uh, in the morning, my first cup, I always have like, it's like coffee time, Jesus time, Bible time, a little breakfast time. I just got these little Jimmy Dean biscuit things, pretty good not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, so you know what I'm talking about, man. That's what, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. So I, I get my first cup, but then the second cup, I always just, I take the same old regular old mug, fill up my coffee, and then I go to work with my mug. How many of y'all have ever spilled a hot coffee on yourself when you're driving in the car? Come on, the chosen few. Come on. It's, it's awful. It's just the worst. So you see, so sometimes, like, when I first really started doing this, I would sit my coffee down, I'd be driving, and then I hit a bump, and then coffee goes everywhere. Everywhere. And I'm like, where's the coffee? What happened? And I'm also burning to death right now. <laughs> so, uh, but, but I learned after enough times of being burned, <laughs> after enough pain, I learned that if I pick up that coffee, and I'm intentional about holding it out, literally just like this when I'm driving, if I hold it out, then when the bumps come, my arm kind of is like a shock absorber, and all that coffee stays in that mug mag magically. It's awesome. As long as I am intentional about holding onto the mug. You see, there's an easy way where you get the coffee and you sit it down. And then there's a hard way where you're intentional about holding onto the coffee all the way to work. There's an easy way where you just come and get some God in you on Sundays. But then when the bumps come and you don't treat God with constant trust and reverence, you ask yourself, where did he go? God spilled out of the mug. Well, you see, God's there. He's just in the carpet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Crude analogy. But you see, God is, God is there. It's just we weren't really holding on to him when the bump came. But if you're intentional about holding on to God, if you're intentional about holding on to the presence of God, when the bumps come, God's right there. And you feel him. If you're intentional about holding on to him. Jesus, 
gave us an awesome formula on how to locate and encounter the presence of God. He said in John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this one isn't in there, but the, the writer of James, he, he, he wrote, come near to God and he will come near to you. Anytime I talk about John 15, I always want to get practical. Uh, I don't know if it's because Jesus is talking in like a farming motif, like vine and branches, but I'm just like, wow, we got to get practical, you know? What is remaining? Do we just like kind of remain in God? Like, is this remaining, you know? What does that look like? I think it's three things. Three things. If you got notes of all of this that I'm about to say today, this is the part you write it right here, okay? Number one, we're going to talk to him. What does that look like? That looks like praying, talking, conversing, just literally communicating to him. You don't have to like, like perform some kind of you know, ritual or anything like that. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do, you don't have to get on your hands and knees, although when you get on your face, that's pretty good. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is just talk to him. When you're driving to work, just talk to him. Number two, listen to his voice. And I just want to tell you, I've never actually heard like through my ears the audible voice of God. I've had him speak to me through my heart, through my mind. And, but really the number one way God has spoken to me in my life is through the Bible. So if you're, if you're asking yourself, man, I just never hear from God. They always say I'm supposed to hear from, supposed to listen to him. I would ask you this, when was the last time you read your Bible? And so if you're, if you're like, okay, I want to read the Bible, where do I start? It's not Genesis. Don't start. Don't start at Genesis. Don't start. It's cool. It's a fun book. The story of Jacob is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But don't start in Genesis. Start in the book of John. You start right there. You read John. Then when you're done with that, you read John again. Then we're done with that. And then you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John again. And then after that, you read all the rest of the New Testament. And then you read the New Testament one more time. And then you can read the Old Testament. Okay? Everybody okay? That's the, that's the formula, all right? <laughs> we got somebody like, yeah, that's how you do it. Old Testament. Meanwhile, I'm preaching out of Old Testament today. What's up, everybody? Uh, and number three, we're going to receive his love. This one is, it's got a lot going on, right? There, there's so many ways we can receive his love, but the one I really want to talk about, this is one way, is through others. Connection with people. God built us as a communal species. We're built to be around each other. We're built. That's the way we're designed. It's why we have marriages and we have deep friendships. And we have this awesome thing called connect groups that we do here. It's a really practical way. So jump in a connect group. That's the way God designed us. We're not supposed to be. That's why he's building his church, not a bunch of little kings. It's a kingdom, not a bunch of kings. Does that make sense? So just those three things, talk to him, listen to the voice, receive his love. Those, that's the practical stuff today. Let's go to point number three, fear forsakes calling. Fear forsakes calling. When Uzzah died, David got mad at God. He got mad at God, and then eventually that led to him being fearful. He was afraid of God. What I, I really think David was afraid he wasn't worthy because something had happened. You see, David made a critical error. It was David's fault that Uzzah died. David saw the holes on the side of the ark. If there weren't poles, there were at least holes for them to stick the poles through to to carry the ark. That was the way it was designed and built. He saw that. He knew, based on the commands that God had given, that it was designed to be carried on poles, but he decided to choose the easy way and put it on a cart, even though it was cool. I'm just going to set it on a cart, and then we'll carry it. It's great. Ultimately, though, 
David's fear of God, or God's retribution, caused him to leave the ark at this guy Obed-Edom's house. Now, David had gotten this huge army together. He built this huge procession. They were going to do all this dancing and singing. They had every instrument imaginable. Like I said, I still don't even know what a sistrum is. He had all this going on. And then a bump happened. A bump happened, and he got afraid. And so he forsook his calling. David was, was meant, it was God's plan for him to bring the ark into Jerusalem. It was God's plan that he was meant to have God's literal presence with him as he reigned over Israel. That was the way God wanted it to be. That was, his, that was David's calling. But David's fear caused him, caused him to forsake his calling, his fear of failure, his fear of judgment, or of broken legacy. And the prophet Isaiah says this in uh, chapter 43. Don't fear, this is God talking, don't fear for I have redeemed you. I have a different word in here. Redeemed you. I love that. That's better. And I have summoned you by name. You are mine. We're God's kids. You know the song. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Y'all finish it. I am a child. Yeah. If you don't know it, that song's called No Longer Slaves. You should listen to it. That's awesome. You are a child of the most high God. You have a plan for your life. You have a calling on your life. You have a destiny. And right now, it is time for the church to rise up and enter into their calling because fear has no place in the heart of a Christ follower. It does not belong there. The only thing that belongs in the heart of a Christ follower is the presence of God. And then if you hear that and you say, well, what about love, Justin? Well, guess what? God is love. So if you got the presence of God in your heart, then you got all the love you can possibly imagine living inside of you. And you know what it does? It overflows into the people around you. That's how it works. That's why God wanted to be with David at the center of it all. He wanted to be right there with David so it could overflow out into uh, the entire kingdom. Because presence provides legitimacy. Presence provides legitimacy. You want to have legitimacy in your business? You want to have legitimacy in your home? Just invite the presence of the Lord to abide and rest in those things. Number four, waiting kills willingness. If you're anything like me, you've got a chair. Come on, everybody's got a chair, right? You got this list of things to do, like mowing the grass, sweeping, doing the laundry, washing the dishes. But as soon as you sit down in that chair, it's like, I'm good. I'm going to sit right here. My chair is awesome. I've got a power outlet where I can charge stuff. I've got a little spot for my drink right here. I've got a perfect view of the TV. I can see the entire living room. It's great. I'm like in the corner. I can see the whole living room. And then, bonus, I can even see the front door. So if I got some kind of crazy trying to come up in my house, I can stop them or at least see them and then run. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) My wife's over here like, oh, come on, don't run. You got to protect me. Protect me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. It's wonderful. But once I sit down, the thing is I'm not getting back up. My willingness to do the task that I had to do is greatly reduced, if not completely gone. David let the ark sit at Obed-Edom's house for three months. 
Come on, he had the literal presence of God, and he was like, no, I'm just going to let it sit. By all, his willingness was gone. By all intents and purposes, when you, look, when you read the scripture, there is no any indication that David was ever going to go get that ark. He had sat it down. His procession was done. He had lost all willingness because he had waited. He elected to wait until he found out that Obed-Edom was getting blessed. Obed-Edom. You guys know anybody named Obed-Edom? That's a name right there. But Obed-Edom, his whole household was getting blessed because the presence of God was there. Some of us, we get on fire for God. We have that fresh start moment. Then we hit a bump, and we decide to hold off on joining a connect group maybe or getting on a serve team or reading our Bible. We're going to hold off on even praying because we don't even know. Like We hit that bump. like, well, God wasn't there. I don't know. We literally press pause on our pursuit for God's plan. Meanwhile, the blessing that God had intended for us to be getting with the presence in our lives, the blessing is literally just not coming because, because God wants to be there, and we, we just press pause. Man, I'm preaching up here, y'all. Let's go to number five. So David, finally, when he, when he has this, I don't know, it's jealousy maybe, I don't know. He is like, oh man, I got to get my blessing. I, got, oh, I remember, Ark, he's at that guy's house. He finally enters into his calling. And so I have this point, authentic praise abandons self. And so we get this picture of David finally entering into his calling. He's coming into Jerusalem. He's got the whole procession as he intended. He's, he's pulled out all the stops. They're literally sacrificing a bull and a fattened calf every six steps he takes. One, two, three, four. I'm about to fall off this thing. I'm not going to, though. That's around six steps-ish. Two animals dead. Okay, taking six steps. How many animals did they kill? I don't know. I have no idea. Scholars are all like, well, we don't know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's got to be a lot, though, which is crazy. And not only that, but David wore this linen ephod, which it, it, a king is not really supposed to wear this thing. It's, it's more meant for more religious activity at, at, at this time. But David is literally dancing out in front. This is the king of the land. This is like the ruler, the guy. He's a warrior. He literally like fought tons of armies and, and won so many battles. He'd won this brutal civil war against his predecessor. And he's out there in front of this procession in a weird outfit, dancing like a crazy person. Because God is coming into town. Well, David's wife, Michal, or Michael, I don't really know. Who, she was old King Saul's daughter. So she was a born princess. You can imagine. She didn't like it because he wasn't acting like a king. She knows what a king acts like, and that's what King Saul, her daddy. That's, the, that's how kings are supposed to be. She despised him because of his dancing, and she even confronted him about it. And we're going to read from, this is toward the end of the chapter, 2 Samuel 6, uh, verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, the ark is already there. It's already in Jerusalem. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me 
rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. You see, David knew whose opinion mattered. He didn't give a rip about what Michal thought. He had just worshipped his face off. And the only thing he wanted was to please the king, the real king. My little daughter, her name is Winter Rose. She is a beautiful little girl. If you've seen her, it's ridiculous. I'm literally feeling like like choked up dad moment right now thinking about it. I know all. But she loves to dance. That's one of her things. She loves to dance. And she dances really in like one way. And this is kind of it. That's it. I mean, she's a year and a half old, okay? She's, she's got some moves for a year and a half year old, right? But, uh, but when I see her dance like that and just have the smile on her face, she's looking at me like, do you see me dancing, Daddy? Um, it just fills my heart with such warmth to see another human being have what I would call pure joy. That is pure joy. It warms my heart. My little girl feels that way. How much more would it warm the heart of God if we worshipped him without really thinking or caring about what other people thought? God who literally sent his son Jesus down to save you, to rip you from the jaws of hell and to enter into eternal communion with him. We get to be with him forever. His presence that brings blessing and increase and favor and joy and love, all these things. We get to be with that forever. Come on. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how much it would warm God's heart? God who loves you more than any other human ever could. How much it would warm God's heart. Maybe if we got a little undignified. It shouldn't matter to us what, how other people view our worship. There's only one opinion that matters, and that is God. <laughs> Man. God's presence is always there. You know, I've talked a lot about like, trying to find the ark, trying to go get it. You see, God, he's already come 99% of the way. He crossed over from realms, from heaven to earth, Died, lived an amazing life, died on a cross, and then rose again. And his presence is literally filling the earth. It says his, his, his spirit was poured out on all flesh. So God has come 99% of the way. All we have to do, we don't have to go to no thing in Egypt and find a map or anything. All we have to do is literally turn to him and say, I want you. I want you, God. I want you in my life. Come be the king of my heart. He's always chasing after us. We just have to chase a little bit after him. Come on, and we can't let anything get in our way. Not fear, not laziness, not feelings of unworthiness, not doubt, and certainly not other people or what they think about us. Come on, let's be a people of praise, a people who pursues the presence of God with everything inside of us. That, that picture of David literally getting 30,000 troops. I can just imagine, like, he wanted it. 
He wanted it so much. He wanted God so much. That's how much we need to want God. I said it already, but if you're looking for blessing, if you're looking for increase, if you're looking for favor in your business or whatever venture you're doing, it starts by seeking the presence of God. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. And some of you are feeling that tug in your heart. You're like, man, I don't, I don't really know what any of this is all about, but I'm feeling this tug in my heart. Like, I want that. I want that presence. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, God, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're always near. You're never far. You are never far. You will never leave nor forsake us. Even when we hit a bump, you're right there. All we have to do is say, God, just come be with me, please. I need you. We just have to simply turn to you. Right now, if, with, still with every head, every head bow and every eye, eyes, eyes closed, if you're feeling like, man, I think, I think I need to make a fresh start with God today. I want that presence. I want God's presence in my life. I've heard what you said, and I'm like, man, I got to have it. If that's you, just lift your hand and say, I want to make a fresh start with God. I want to make a fresh start with God today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Right now, Lord, I lift up those who have elected to make a fresh start with you today. They say, hey, I want you, Lord. I want you, God. I just pray that you would shower them with blessing, shower them with mercy, shower them with favor, Lord, and increase, God. But more than any of that, I just pray that you would shower them with your spirit. Shower them with your presence, God. Shower all of us with your presence. We want you. We yearn for you. We desire you more than any other thing. God, right now, I I believe that there are those who are in a bump moment. They're going through a bump, and they're like, where are you, God? I thought you were there, but you're not. God, I pray right now that you would show up in their lives in a powerful way. You would find that bump, you would heal it, whatever it is, whether it's a financial issue, it could be a problem at home, could be an unhealed uh, physical thing, a, a bad diagnosis, whatever it is, Lord. Just come and heal that bump and heal that heart. Bring peace to that situation, God. We just lift you up. We magnify your name. We thank you for your presence. You are always with us, God. We love you so much. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, y'all. Y'all just give him some praise today. Let's give him some praise today. He's good. He's good. He's worthy. He's here. His presence is here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.